Almost everything that we do in life involves some level of risk. And as individuals, our risk appetites vary based on our objectives, what we're prepared to lose in order to gain a bigger win, and of course, patterns that we've picked up based on our life experiences. For businesses, managing risk is not something that can be done without adequate processes, regulatory compliance, and transparent ethical reporting. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Workplace Revolution with me, Sile Polani. Joining me for today's conversation is Tando Masanabo, a junior internal auditor at an accounting firm group. Her role requires her working to add value to different organizations and sectors through risk advisory services. She is also part of the Risk Advisory Services Training Academy, where she coordinates trainings for staff to enable them to provide an exceptional client experience. Outside of her nine to five, Tando is the founder and treasurer of Pads R Us, an NPO that was formed in 2016 and annually works to provide hundreds of learners, students, unemployed and homeless women around the country with sanitary pads and toiletries. She also hosts seminars in different disadvantaged areas in Gauteng to educate women and girls about menstrual health and hygiene, career guidance, and provide support to victims of gender-based violence. Tando, hello and welcome to the Workplace Revolution. Hello, Cicely. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my word, I am screaming. I can't <laughs> believe that is me. <laughs> oh, it is so lovely to have you. So before we get into the nitty gritty of our conversation, won't you just talk us through a little bit about yourself and your background? Thank you so much. Ooh, with guess to me, I'm a girl from Pretoria, a very young girl. I grew up in Pretoria. My whole life has been in Pretoria. You know, I went to university in Pretoria. Uh, I have a BTEC in internal auditing. So that's where I am in terms of school-wise and in terms of my life. You know, I literally work to empower others. I work to empower people. That's who I am, basically, you know. Mm. I am a mentor to girls. I'm a sister. I'm a daughter. I'm an aunt. Yeah, that's basically who I am. Like, my life is just so busy. <laughs> mm. So tell me, what attracted you to internal auditing? Oh, my God. What attracted me to internal auditing? You know, what I loved most about it, because I was actually wanting to go into the external, you know, which is more finance-based. Mm. So when I look at internal auditing, I think it, I believe that it fit more with my personality. You know, I'm a value-adding people, person I like to empower. So with internal audit, it really allowed me to look beyond the financial statements, you know, to add value in with departments, you know, to give opinions on processes, company processes, you know, to have an opinion, to give assurance, you know, to add value. And that's really what it attracted me with. And I honestly feel like it goes along with my personality as well and who I am as a person. Mm. Now, many, many young black people, you know, young black professionals and even, you know, people my age and older um, have often shared about the difficulty in deciding what to study at university because of the limited exposure that we have to career options. Mm-hmm. How were you exposed yeah. to this particular field for you to know that this is something that is of interest to you? 
Oh, wow. Wow. This is dedicated to my father. Thank you for having me. <laughs> you know, funny enough is that my father is a taxi owner. So mm-hmm. as a young girl growing up, he would literally, I was his mini bookkeeper. He would make me count the money. You know, every day we'll register the money on a book. And at the end of the week, we'll reconcile everything. And I'll have to report to him. So this is how much we've made. You know, this is how much the taxi drivers has brought in. This is how much they spent on petrol fixing. And this is how much we've made for the week. So that was my life. So basically, I, w- I grew up into accounting. I was an accountant from a very young age, mm. literally counting money. That has been my life. And mm. growing up, like I said, it was all about being a chartered accountant, you know. Mm. But as I grew and I saw other options, I realized that internal auditing is for me based on what I said previously. Now, many people may know, you know, whether it's in detail or whether it's kind of just high level, what accountants do. But what does an internal auditor do? Yeah. So with regards to internal auditing, what we do is we add value into an organization using through our assurance and consulting services you know we provide assurance on the risk of the company governance and controls we are more about adding value you know looking at the processes and objectives of a company giving assurance and advice on how their things are going are they reaching the objectives what can they do to improve what is hindering them to improve what is hindering them from achieving the objectives so we're all about adding value and giving assurance to those who are, gov- who are governing the company or organization that they are reaching the objectives. If they're not, this is what they can do to improve better. And yeah, some mm. most, just to keep it on a low level so that people can understand. Why is it so important for, for organizations to have um, s- proper governance structures in place? It is very important, you know, with governance, we ensure that there is accountability, you know, there is transparency. So with governance, we know that the board or directors will give goals and objectives that them, that management must implement. And with that implementation, they must report back to governance, you know, to, to, to the board or directors. So with that, it assists them to know how things are running. Are they running accordingly? Is everything going according to the laws, regulations? Are we reaching our objectives? And, you know, speaking about governance, it's also important about who sits on these governance structures. You know, are you asking the right questions? You know, are you seeing, because with our kind of lives, we are very charismatic directors or management that will paint such a beautiful picture that things are going accordingly Mm. so as a board member you must ensure that you're asking the right questions you know when everything is going well you must ask how are these things going well what are you achieving are they achieved within our time frame asking the right questions being following up on everything to show that everything of the company is actually reflecting with what is being said or what is being reported on. You know, I, I often think about, um, you know, whenever you, I I speak to people who are specialists in a particular field, um, I'm always quite curious about 
the common mistakes that they pick up when they interact with their stakeholders. So what are some of the common mistakes or the gaps that organizations tend to have when it comes to you know, what you assess and pick up through your internal auditing process? Yes, what I normally pick up is most of, it starts with your objective settings, always mm. how your objectives are set. You know, like, are your objectives specific? Are they measurable? Are they achievable? Do they have a time frame? You know, mm. so if your objectives are very high level, very vague, it makes it, it creates loopholes basically mm. for people to not know what they're doing when to do it how to do it mm. all they know is they must do it but they just don't have you know all the house you know mm. we get to especially when we are on the ground talking to those who are actually implementing the work you know mm. like for example do you know that there's a policy in place the policy says two people must sign off why mm. is it that not happening you mm. know you said that there will be training. However, training dates are not set. So it means, or oh, how often should the trainings be? So you have stuff that are not competent or don't have the required skills or the recent skills that they have to achieve these objectives. So it all starts with ensuring that your goals are clear. Everybody knows the goals from management to those who are implementing these objectives and goals in making sure that everybody understands and they know what they're doing they all have their specific roles and how often they should report who they're reporting to why they're actually doing what they're doing mm. you know it's more than just a job more than just going to work and doing whatever to do you must have the why so you can whatever you do you know goody you know that he is here is what i should do this is why i should do it mm. Now, advisory firms, um, you know, came into <laughs> the spotlight um, in, in recent years quite, uh, you know, more than usual um, because of issues related to ethics. Um, mm. Now, there's a, there's, a, there's a number of, you know, different layers to this, you know, because I also understand from the perspective of somebody who works as a consultant, I can advise a client you know to how on how to handle something or the best way to handle something um but they may choose not to take that advice and just do what they wish to do but then on the flip side there's the issue of um advisory firms who have been caught up in 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 reputational issues because they have been a part of unethical behaviors with their clients how do we drive a culture um, and sustain a culture of high ethical standards within this environment? Uh, I think it's very important to know that as assurance, we can only recommend, mm. you know, we cannot enforce you to do what we're recommending. However, it is very important that as assurance, we, we actually sit at the board and actually let them know that this is what we've picked up. Here is what we recommend. It must actually be stated there in the meeting minutes. Everybody must be aware of what's mm. happening mm. so that they must take a decision. You know, mm. it's like also with risk management, like, are you accepting this risk? Are you avoiding this risk? Or are you actually going to do something about it? You know, mm. and with regards to collusion, 
basically what you're saying, you know, mm. like assurance and people at higher places working together, you know, to just not act ethically. Mm. With that, it must come with organizations holding them accountable, you mm. know, calling them out. Because now they are bringing reputational damage, not only to the profession, but also the company at hand, mm. you know. So I think we, we should need more accountability. You know, we need to see people in jail. Mm. We need to see people being named and shamed. Like, we need to see that happening so that even when the next person comes, they know is there is consequences to mm. what you're doing. You know, you are going to be on the front cover of a newspaper. All these broadcasters will be talking about you, mm. you know, so that you can think twice about mm. what you're doing. So this, you cannot literally for somebody to do something but they must know the consequences of what they're doing not only in writing of knowing what will happen but also seeing it from other people it also will help them to keep their ethical values Mm, absolutely i agree with you um now one of the things that you know we, we speak about risk and risk management when we speak about organizations and advancing and growing them um but what does risk management actually mean? And what are some examples um, of risks that organizations um, usually have to kind of weigh up and decide what they have an appetite for? Yes. So every company organization is different. We cannot all use the same risk or risk framework policy. Mm. So it all starts, for example, everyone has different objectives you know, that's how it starts as an organization. You have your own objectives, you have your own goals that you want to achieve. So it's a matter of now thinking, here are my goals, you know. Mm. What can go wrong? What can actually happen from preventing me from achieving this? You know, mm. I have a fleet or logistics company. Mm. My objective is to provide exceptional client services, knowing that I'm on time. What can actually happen? You no, know? you are hiring staff that's not trained enough mm. to to interact with your customers when they're when they're delivering or collecting goods. So that's your risk. You know, now mm. they're bringing damage, reputational damage to your company. Your, your delivery time is not. It's not satisfactory to the client. These are your risks. So these are the things that you should consider, you Mm. know. So you have to look at your company. What do you want to achieve? And what can actually prevent you from not achieving that objective? Mm. And that's when now you start with the buildup of making sure that none of this risk actually prevents you from achieving your objectives. From the time that you were studying towards your qualification to actually having been in the industry and experienced and worked in it, what are some of the things that have surprised you or that you didn't anticipate about the industry? Oh, wow. <laughs> I think this one is more of a corporate that, wow, corporate is actually hectic. You know, we're working long hours. Mm. that's something I just did not anticipate, you know, working in a project, planning a project, exiting or finishing off a project all at the same time. That was something that I did not really anticipate. Mm. Um, but I think everything else, cause I love to read. I love to ask people if they really got me 
prepared for, you know, what to expect, you know, different clients, working with different people, you know, different personalities. I know that can, you know, throw people off a bit about, you know, especially when you're in consulting because you're in different clients, different sectors every other month or week. Mm. So you have to have a people skills, but I'm happy that, you know, throughout my life and career, I've been prepared for that. Mm. And in terms of representation, because, you know, this is a topic that so many of us are speaking about um, now more than ever, about the fact that there are certain industries, um, there are certain um, geographies, but also there are certain levels within organizations where we just do not see enough black women. Um, mm. what, what, has, what has that been like for you? What are your views on black women within the internal audit risk management space? Oh, you know, that's uh, something that has been on my thoughts and mind for the longest of time, you know, mm. because especially because I started my career at the, in a public sector. So mm. in public sector, there is quite a fair, I would say, representation of women at the top. But when you now move now that I'm in private sector, mm. you now get to see that there's literally not enough mm. or not at all. Mm. You know, like it is so as a young black woman, it's like, where do I reflect myself as, you mm. know, does it mean that I'm only going to be stuck on management level? Mm. Like I want to be a director. I want to be partner, you know, however, I'm really struggling to identify myself in these women, you know, mm. that look like me, you know, as our Miss Universe has said, see your face reflect in mine. Like who do I reflect my face at? So it has really actually been a motivation for me to work towards that, you know, to be a reflection to other young girls, even with the young girls that I mentor, you know, I know that I am working towards now them having something or someone to reflect on, somebody to motivate them, somebody to know that it's possible, Mm. you know, and, you know, with cases of representation, it comes a bit sensitive because, as black people in general and even worse for women we have to work twice as hard just to get half Mm. you know Mm -hmm. we are literally tested on the most you know we have to work the hardest work the longest hours you know explain yourself you know like we always have to be at the top of our game each and every time Mm. you know and you know when when you are still coming up you will think that Maybe they're exaggerating a bit mm. until you actually find yourself in the situation. You never see it coming, but you just somehow find yourself working harder, mm. longer hours. Like, what more can I do? You know, like, what can make me stand out? However, looking at the other side, you know, people just being themselves, doing what they have to do, they actually get the recognition and the advancement rather than us. And is something that we honestly have to work towards and i honestly wish that it will change you know i can't believe that i'm even having this conversation with you even at this stage it shouldn't be like that you know Mm. we shouldn't be having this conversation even now but sadly that is our reality Mm. what do you think it would take to turn things around and for black women to actually get the recognition that they deserve in the workplace It's all in people's mindset because Mm. 
also for the mere fact that we are black we are also women you know mm. we are oh, i'm looking for a word i don't want to say we are punished for being women and wanting to have babies you know wanting mm. to be a family woman you know but mm. somehow it is working at our advantage in a very weird way because now they're expecting you to be at your work every day whenever you are available however when you get home you have an, another role to play mm. you know and it is somehow made to to make women to feel bad for being a woman and i don't want women to feel bad i don't want to feel bad when i get to that stage you know mm. it's all about you know people recognizing that women and most particularly black women we are human we mm. work just as hard we are more worthy as hard you know literally our hard work and what we have achieved says it all it's mm. all about the other person recognizing that not trying to test us so much just to see how how, how much you can hold the test for you to actually pass. You mm. get what I mean? Mm. It's all about, you know, just letting the door in. Let us recognize us as human beings. Let us in. You know we have the ideas. Because you will find, sadly, a woman at management level, however, you're doing the work of a partner. So mm. you're already there. However, because of who you are, you are somehow not... You are somehow just not worthy to get to the other side however everything about you just says it all that you are worthy you are doing it you are capable mm. you know it's just we just have to be recognized honestly it, i feel like if you work more harder than we do we'll break ourselves <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely yeah. true that's absolutely true the amount of labor that black women do um within paid labor we're underpaid grossly so and then unpaid labor, you know, that's just a whole other beast on its own, you know, that is just, <laughs> it always blows my mind when I think about these conversations, because what essentially is happening is that we are constantly on top of having to prove ourselves all the time. I mean, you mentioned earlier around working twice as hard to get half of the reward. Um, we constantly have to prove to organizations that it, there is value for them in treating us like human beings. They'll make money from yeah. treating us like human beings. And it is the most bizarre thing to me because it shows the intentionality of the oppression, erasure, stagnation of black women within the workplace, all the blockages and, and, and hurdles that we're, you know, um, subjected to. But also... It shows that the reluctance is intentional. And that for me is just, it honestly makes me sick <laughs> that people mm -hmm. genuinely collude to decide that this is what they're going to do. And they're going to do everything within their power to ensure that they maintain the current status as it is and continue to suck black women dry of all of our excellence, of all of our, you know, the brilliance that we bring into the workplace and the high quality of the work that we do and the fact that we're the most educated demographic group. But none of these things work in our favor. All of that is yeah. so, so intentional. And I'm always mm -hmm. so concerned about the fact that we're in 2021 
I am almost 38 years old. I have a daughter who was turning 17 this year. And I'm just like, I never anticipated that I would be worrying about this stuff when my daughter is about to go to university. Mm. You know, like, it's honestly... I don't even know. I don't have the right words to put it in. However, and I think also as black people, black women, we are not each other's enemies. You know, we must work together. You know, as soon as somebody who looks like us actually gets in the door, somehow they want to block us out from entering, you know. Mm. They feel that acceptance when they get there. They feel everything. However, when they sit on the table, they don't talk about bringing us in. Mm. You know, like, that's another problem that we are facing, you know. And especially when in terms of, I feel now all this bad energy is now revolving around us, you know. That you're second-guessing yourself, now you're second-guessing the the next black woman. Like, are you actually really worthy, Tando? Mm. Mm -hmm. So you actually did the work. Let me check it. You know, like there's always that thing also that drums around a person to also second guess the, the next person that looks like them. Mm. And it's very scary. You know, I feel if we work together, as soon as you are in a place of power, speak for us, mm. you know, recognize us, mm. see the power. Because I know that there is a lot of backlash that's I know many black women have said they come across, you know, you are being isolated, you will not be heard, you know, there will be funny remarks about you. You know, I once attended the seminar where this woman was saying all these things about her being on a board where her opinion just did not matter. But if somebody said the same thing who was of the other race, it will be celebrated. Mm. And she was like, hello, I said that like three months ago, Mm. you know? Then there is power in us standing together. There is power in us talking about this. There is power in us being accountable. There is power in us actually being in the limelight and seeing all these shameful things that are happening. Mm-hmm. Like, why should we take it in when we can actually talk about this? Mm-hmm. You know, you have the platform, bring other people in, you know? Mm-hmm. And also with selection processes you know of who gets into these companies is also a problem because looking at where they actually hire from because they'll say i specifically hire from this university Mm. looking at that university who is the majority Mm -hmm. you know what i mean exactly so who is the majority and now there's the people that they want to hire those the people that i want to keep and if you're gonna hire a black person or woman like they have to be very very great Mm. you know yeah it's more we have to stand together we have to talk about it and i'm also of a very much of a believer of also us standing together to build our own Mm. i think we can i believe we're capable we have to trust each other we have to sit it out, you know, plan everything. I feel like we are very, very capable. Mm. We, it is literally us on the ground. It is literally us coming up with the ideas. It is literally us working. Mm. So what's actually stopping us from actually doing it? You know, we can, I believe we can do it. Mm. One of the keys um, that we all know for for success, well, we now know, 
as people who've been in the workplace for a while and experienced many, many unpleasant things, we know and understand that one of the keys for success is being able to have the right support and sponsorship within an organization. Knowing that you need somebody who's more senior than you, somebody who's influential, who's going to be mentioning your name in rooms that you do not have access to. Somebody who is part of making decisions that are going to ultimately impact your career trajectory. What has your experience been within that context? Have you found that you've been supported and getting, you know, the the resources and the interest um, that you require in order for you to continue to develop and advance your career and actually map out your career with a clear understanding of what you need to achieve at each stage in order to progress up the proverbial corporate ladder? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. I feel like for me, it's a definite big yes. Mm. Especially looking at where I started, I started at a national department. And at this national department, I was, I actually got the internship while I was still at school. So I was juggling school and work, you know. Mm. And my director at the time was the most supportive person in the whole wide world, you know. Mm. They understood that I'm a student, I had to, I, and I also had to work, you know. He didn't mind giving me time off. And when all that was said and done, you know, literally he would invite me to meetings that only executives she's like no come observe what's happening you know i would see i would experience everything of an internal form of internal audit from planning executing reporting you know mm. he let me experience everything that is that i could experience and it was such a great exposure you know, and you always speak highly of me, even if I didn't see that in me, because sometimes you're like, wow, am I really all that? Mm. You know, they they always see something in you that is stronger. Mm. And I think it has built me with that experience and knowledge into my current job. You know, mm. like now that I know everything from A till Z, you know, I just can't help but stand out. Mm. You know, you just cannot help but being recognized, you know. Now... There is people who, like me who have experience in sitting in audit committees. You know, you can advise other people. Oh, no, this is what we talk about, you know. Mm. So now you're being recognized. You know, in meetings, you have the knowledge so you can share your experiences. Mm. I feel for now in my life, that was done. Now it's all about it being recognized and actually being compensated mm. and actually being promoted for that. Mm. Yeah. What has your experience been like when it comes to establishing relationships in the workplace? And based on your experiences, what are some of the tips that you can share with people about establishing healthy relationships in the workplace? To establish healthy relationships, it's all about, you know, I feel like for me, because since at university, I was part of the student leadership and development program. Mm. So it has helped me to work with different personalities, different students, because I was a coordinator, coordinating different projects, different fundraisers, different community initiatives. So I used to work with a whole lot of different people. So I made my mistakes there, you know. Mm. I talked a lot. I talked too much. I shouted. I didn't speak. And with that, it taught me 
now moving forward when should i speak how i should speak to different people mm. you know that people have different personalities we are all not the same mm. so now at the workplace i have to understand what is my position what am i there for the people that i'm working with you know i'm going to need them tomorrow how long is my contract if i'm permanent it means as long as i'm alive i'll be working with them so it has taught me that you know we have to know the kind of people that you're working with different personalities studying different personalities you know that these some people are loud like you don't have to be loud you know some people like to gossip you don't have to be go- you don't have to gossip with them mm. some people don't speak at all but you have to accommodate them to at least enable them to what has to be said you must say it you mm. know you don't always have to speak but at least let your voice be heard you know mm. it's all about knowing who you are as well the kind of relationships that you want to be who do you want to be known as in the workplace you know mm. do you is it you know allowing people to come and talk to you because with me i feel like i've built a relationship whereby i'm also talk when it's necessary because i'm very shy believe it or not <laughs> <laughs> so you allow people to talk to you when it's necessary to mm-hmm. also speak when it's necessary you know having a safe space for people because as from my internship to now being a junior I know what it feels like to be a first year. I know what it feels like to be an intern. So I always create this space, you know, like for different people to talk to me and also teaching people how to talk to other people. Mm. You know, like you do not say like that. If you have a point to make, let me finish. You know, telling people also how to communicate with you what you do not like. And I think in the workplace, we must differentiate, you know, how we speak when you are in our personal spaces and how we speak when we are in our working environment, you know, mm. it is very important that we respect you respect each other to have the thing with the oh you can't just be screaming at people like we are not friends, mm. you know, it's how also recognizing that kind of environment that we are in, so it's very important that everybody actually aligns themselves to the environment that they're in, the kind of people that you're in when you're in consulting like me you get different clients so you you honestly just let them set the tone however you you align them strategically to how things are meant to be done and how communication should be effective mm. and how do you handle it when there are situations of either conflict or disrespect i mean it can get very tricky for many people, especially when you're younger and you know you have you, you don't have the either the experience or the senior level position to be able to deal with maybe clients who are either abusive or rude. How do you navigate that? Mm. So as a junior, you obviously have to take everything in <laughs> mm. because this is our client. You know they are compensating us for the service that we are providing mm. so i felt it because what you say can also aggravate the conflict of interest the i mean the conflict mm. so it's very important to just whatever it is that they're saying you're saying okay thank you i accept it and then you go report this person to your senior manager mm. or whoever is in charge of the project. Because with clients, it gets really, really tricky on how you deal with the situation. 
because of the repercussions it might have on you and also on the company business. Mm. So it is very important that with you, you don't fight with the client from their side. You don't, you know, unless it really gets on a personal attacking mode. Because sometimes I've, I have seen that with reasonable doubt that if you are being attacked on a personal level that you just have to attack back mm. and then call your manager and so like this is what happened and this is what i did expect a call something mm. like that however you must trade very carefully and analyze the the conflict and situation mm. south africa is in a space where we're seeing more and more small businesses being started up um, particularly mm. by by black people. We're seeing more entrepreneurs, more startups. So it's a very, very exciting time to be able to see the incredible ideas that are coming out of black minds and, you know, people who are collaborating with each other or whether they're running a business by themselves. But we're seeing a, a, an increase in this particular space. How... But... You, the reality of the matter is for many black businesses, we don't have funding and investments to help us start our businesses and, you know, fund whatever it is that we need in order to be able to kickstart the business appropriately. Um, and also we understand that within the venture capital space, um, access to funding for black people, particularly for black women, is so, so dismal. And so people tend to kind of try to make money as they go or use their savings to try and kickstart their business if they even have savings. But a lot of the time it's kind of cash in, cash out type of um, system uh, while the business is getting started and in the growing process. And so they don't have money to be investing in people who are going to be assisting them with risk assessment and management and all of that. So how can they, or what kind of tools can they employ to ensure that they are managing their companies um, responsibly and managing their risk in ways that will enable the continuous growth of their companies? Of course. So in any organization, for example, those who are these companies who are established and running at their optimal, if I may say, they would have a governing body, they will have management, and they will, yeah, and they will have management and they will have us, the assurance providers. Mm. So, you know, governing body, they set, they are the ones who are setting the objectives, managing, monitoring performance. Management are those who will be ensuring that these objectives are met, managing the risk, ensuring that everybody who's on the ground, the workers actually know what they're doing. Mm. And as assurance providers will come and see that their work is being effective, that they're doing things accordingly, and objectives are met. So it means with small business, they don't have someone to give them that assurance to to, to report back to to them who that you know what this is missing, improve on that. Mm. So I personally believe that if that's the case with a small business those who are founders for example mm. you have to be on the ground you know you are the one who must now encourage your workers for example when you do your work 
do a self-review of your work, you know. Mm. Actually, just before that starts, ensuring that you know your objectives, that's very, very important. What must be achieved, who must do what, what must be done, you know. And as I previously said, all these objectives, they must be very smart, you mm. know, measurable, specific, achievable, have time frame for what you want to achieve when you want to achieve them. Mm. This, that is very important. And once as a founder, you have that in place, you will also see what are your risks that can take place. So you will encourage your, your employees when they are working, do a self-review of your work, you know, have someone who will do a second review, you know, have mm. meetings, regular meetings with your with your team to talk about progress, to talk about performance, what is happening on the ground, what can we do to improve, what are you, what are the difficulties or challenges that you're experiencing, you know, it's important to be on the ground, do random checks, you know, something that's very important as well is surveys, you know, surveys reflect the things between, it's either with your staff and your customers actually, to actually know what is happening, you know, these are the risks that I'm facing. So you can easily implement, you know, during those meetings, you can hear what your employees, what are their challenges, what are you thriving on so that you can work on your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all about, with assurance, it's all about identifying weaknesses, adding value and ensuring that these meetings are, or your achievements and monitoring is continuous because mm. with our risk, for example, and objectives, they change over time. You know, mm. you dream new dreams as a company. You want to recreate greater heights. You know, mm. there are things that are trends that are coming in. So having these things continuously doing the self checks, you know, ensuring that everybody in your organization have a responsibility that you hold them accountable to that responsibility, that they can all report back to you that you have performance targets that you as a founder actually continuously check, sit with your team, you know, be like a whole dream team Mm -hmm. so that your team is actually comfortable to tell you, you know what, we are having theft issues. You know what, we need another person because the stocks, the orders are coming in, for example, too quickly. However, there's no one to send out the orders. Mm -hmm. So that's why we are slow on our orders. So if there's continuous engagement and continuous self-assessments, continuous visitation to see what is actually happening on the ground it'll make everything work so nicely Mm. and effectively Mm. tell me more about your npo pads are us what made you decide to start an npo um and how does that work and how do you manage it with the work that you do (laughs) i get that a lot Oh, oh my God, my NPO, that's my baby, you know. I started it in 2016. And what I feel like it was a universe-sent kind of initiative, if I put it that way. Mm. Literally, I was listening, I was, I used to love listening to the radio during my university days. And a lady actually called to ask for sanitary pet assistance. And throughout the show, that triggered a lot of conversation that this is actually happening, you know. I have been aware and I've known this, but I've actually never took it to heart. And personally, I never experienced not having sanitary pads. So Mm. it's not something that I actually will say it was something that I struggled with also. Mm. But having that whole conversation on the radio and actually more women calling in, 
to ask for help it also prompted me and also the radio station like we were literally everyone was checking like is this really a thing is this really happening mm. and just during the research it found i found that wow you know girls are not are missing out on school mm. you know and that was actually my first thought about it and within a few days a friend of mine was like i'm doing this initiative of collecting pads like please donate I was like, what? No, I don't want to donate. Let me help and let's do this, you know. Mm. And we collected pairs and it, and with us, we're just thinking, nah, it's going to be just a one initiative kind of a thing. You know, just go to this particular school and then we're done. Mm. However, it's been almost six years now. <laughs> <laughs> it's been almost six years now, you know. We ended up having to be registered. And with that, it just just being on the journey of sanitary pads, it has opened up such a big light for us, you know, because we're focusing on schools, you know, mm. and now it got us thinking, what about those who are in at university, mm. you know, people who are already struggling with paying their fees, mm. you know, how are they even affording sanitary pads? Is that actually part of their essentials list, you know? Mm. We were, it was brought to our attention that there are people who are actually unemployed. If you're unemployed, then how are you getting your sanitary pads, you mm. know? And then we were exposed to homeless women that during the time of the month, what do homeless women use? Mm. It literally has been folding and us discovering so many things. So I think that's what has kept us going because... Mm. We just wanted to push, push, push. And interestingly enough, we don't have any major sponsors. You know, we literally depend on donations, word of mouth, and also as members, because we went from being two of us to six of us now. And us contributing, you know, our own money into the organization mm. for us to actually be able to to assist this woman. And during the pandemic, we started an initiative whereby we will actually be to Korea pets to girls who are in need and i thought it was just going to be that one particular person who went who needed the pets mm. and it has been crazy sickly. like we've been donating like limpopo western cape you know mm. all over the country you know like it has been such a great demand we have like a long list of girls who are in need and however it's been like a pleasure you know like i said going around Gauteng also teaching about menstrual health because i think it also teaching others was also teaching me to know you know assisting girls who are also going through so many so much social health challenges you know mm. so that we can make them feel happy feel wanted feel loved you know feel mm. important for the day you know to educate someone about a conversation that it is really talked about in the house mm. you know where you are feel where you feel isolated during your, your menstrual health, your menstrual period. I'm, I mean, so it has been such a fulfilling journey, you know, changing lives, and I feel it's been great. And in terms of juggling, I don't know how I do it as well, but all I know is I do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's working like working on the weekends. And because you know the kind of work and impact and people who are in who are actually benefiting from this, like you mm. actually push, 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 you know, to make it happen, you know. And I feel like as long as sanitary pads are not freely and 
are not free and easily accessible to all women, mm. we still have a lot of work to do. Definitely, mm. we still have a lot of work to do. Absolutely. So for people who would want to donate, how does that work? Do you take donations in the form of pads? Is there, are they drop-off points or do you take money or is it a combination? It is a combination. Mm. Yeah, because we are six of us there. We live in six different places in Gauteng. So we can literally connect you to someone who is near where you live and you can make a drop-off. And we also, our organization also has, has its own bank account that people can donate to. Okay, so for people who do want to donate, how can they get in touch with you? They can get in touch with us through our social media platforms. We are on Twitter, we are on Facebook, we are on Instagram, at Pets Are Us, that's how it is. And if you want to send us an email, you can send us an email on info at petsareus.org.za. Okay, so that's and it will give you all the full details. Okay, okay so that's pads or us, P A D S R U S. Yes. Is it on Instagram and Twitter? Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Okay, perfect. Tando, yes. oh, what I will pledge um, is to make a cash donation um, on behalf of my company towards pads or us um, as well. Oh my word, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It, it means the world to us, to us and the girls that do us. So thank you, we really, really appreciate it. Thank you. It's an absolute pleasure. <laughs> Your work is so, so important. Mm, no, thank you so much. Thank you for having this conversation with me. Um, and I sincerely hope that your career continues to flourish and that you know, your your NPO work um, is supported in all the way that it needs in order for it to reach the people that it needs to. Thank you so much, Lille, and thank you so much also for the work that you do. You know, I really appreciate the conversations that you have. I really appreciate the guests that you have, you know, that they're just ordinary women in the world that you can literally pick something that you can that i can relate to you know mm. you've opened me up to a network of women that i'm like wow this person actually exists let me check them out mm. so your work is also very amazing the conversations that you have are very groundbreaking and i'm very very much honored to be part of your network of women <laughs> oh. i'm honored you know it's definitely on my highlights oh, thank, thank you. you so much tando and thank you for joining us for another episode of the Workplace Revolution with me, Sile Bolani. I'll see you again next time.